why don't we lean into empathy first and say like, what is Adam going through or what has he gone through that would lead him to do something so careless? Because he made his trauma his wife's responsibility. Like Adam Levine's wife hasn't spoken out and that says a lot to me, you know? People that can sit with themselves. I don't wanna speak until I know how I feel. I mean, he posted a story the next day. I was like, you don't even know what you're doing. You're not thinking about the people around you and how you affect them. You are living as a solo jellyfish. Did your career define you and now that's not doing so well? I think at base of it, even animals protect their people. Lovers and friends, friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I say. Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I say. Hi there, lovers and friends. Welcome to the podcast called The Same Thing that I just used as a greeting. And speaking of greetings, can I say hi from me to you? And who is me? My name is Shan Boudram. I'm a public-facing sex and relationship educator who's been working in this space for the past 15 years. And this here podcast is a space that I am most loudly and proudly doing my work and talking about the issues when it comes to intimacy that I think are most fascinating. And what's fascinating about that is in our 40-plus episodes, we have never talked about cheating yet. And some places and people who talk about relationships, all they do is talk about cheating. And for good reason. This topic gets people going. Esther Perel said in her book, The State of Affairs, I'll always remember this, that when we think about a lot of issues that are highly arousing, get people riled up, right? Abortion rights or the death penalty. There tends to be people on both sides who feel very strongly about very different stances. But when it comes to cheating universally, we almost all feel the exact same way. Hell fucking no. How dare you? You are a vile, terrible person. And throughout history, we have gone through extremities in order to punish cheating. The death penalty, obviously stoning people to death. Um, There's, I Please someone fact check this, but I believe that there is an Australian city that people from England used to sentence cheaters to. Today, we're going to take a look at how exactly Australia became England's penal colony. Once upon a time, the people of England believed that getting rid of criminals would end crime. So they sent their convicts across the ocean to the largest island in existence. But this week, it was pretty inevitable that we were going to talk about this in some way, shape, or form because it was in your group chats, it was in your email alerts, it was in the lineup at Starbucks. The two public figure scandals that happened at the exact same time almost, the Nia Long and the Boston Celtics coach cheating scandal, alongside the Adam Levine and his pregnant wife cheating scandal. This Instagram model named Sumner went on to TikTok to expose that she had a year-long affair with Adam, and he had asked her for permission to name his son, his third child, with his wife after her. I know you want to speak on this one. Nia Long has been trending on social media because her fiancé is facing disciplinary action over an alleged improper and consensual relationship with a female member of the Celtics staff. And although in many cases these are unremarkable stories because it feels like celebrities are always cheating on each other, I mean, real truth is people in general, this is happening all the time everywhere, which again is why it really gets us because we have so much relatedness to this topic. There is something unique, I think, about both these stories coming out at the exact same time. And that is that it doesn't fit the script. And when I say script, what I mean is that whether we want to admit this or not, 
a lot of us have created archetypes for the kinds of people who get cheated on. People who are not like us. Not like us in ways because we're different, aka better than them, or not like us in ways because they are so different and out of reach, aspirationally out of reach for us. Because we want to believe somewhere in the back of our mind that there are some people who are spared from the horror of this betrayal. And horror is not a exaggerative word to use. It's pretty accurate. As someone who's been cheated on, I can tell you that it makes you question everything. Yourself, your partner, and most horrifically, it makes you question love. And if love is the reason that we live or that we press on throughout the hardships of life, and we can't even call that a safe space, that really does put you in a very dark, insecure, and unsure position that it's hard to crawl out of and some people never do. So with that being said, yes, we do want to believe that's not going to happen to everyone. But in these cases, we've got people who we would just never cast in this storyline. We have Nia Long, who is an iconic actor, a cultural crush, and truly the personification of stepping up in any place with style and grace. And then we have Bahati Prinsloo, an ex-Victoria's Secret model who shares a business with her husband and furthermore, shares two children. Oh, and she's pregnant with a third right now. During a time when we're vulnerable and we're giving so much, we want to believe at least now our peace can be prioritized. So when we see this happen to her during this time, when we see this happen to Nia Long ever in life, we feel like, what the fuck? Sometimes it's a little satisfying because if you've been cheated on, it makes you realize that it truly had very little to do with you. If nothing to do with you. But it's also very terrifying because it makes us feel like, is no one safe from being cheated on? And the real truth is, as you probably know, anyone can get cheated on, but not everyone cheats. And that is what I want to talk about in this episode. How do you spot a cheater? A question that I had to go to you with first. A cheater is usually someone who is not clear on what they want, hasn't done much personal work, uh, so it's definitely giving like inconsistency, shifty, like dodgy type behavior. They're really controlling. They tend to jump to conclusions a lot and they get really defensive about their actions or decisions. I think someone who's very accusatory or paranoid about their partner's infidelity is potentially the sign of a guilty conscience as they know how easily it's done. They still have this thirst for like, you know, more and are looking around and like kind of having the wandering eye. He also never wanted to meet my parents or was really weird about meeting my friends. It's impossible to know if someone's going to be a cheater or not. And yeah, that is the ugly, unfortunate and honest fine print that has to go on this episode. There is absolutely no 100% no cheating or your money back guarantee that anyone talking about this topic can offer you. However, we can offer preparedness, awareness, and probability. It's like going out there into the wilderness with no knowledge information and just being eyes wide and mouth open to anything and being aware of the different plants, the different variations and which ones might be poisonous and pretty and which ones are pretty but delicious. So I'm hoping to help you sift through the berries and the poison ivy, but no one can guarantee Again, a delicious experience for all. I'm gonna keep going with this plant analogy, apparently. No, I'm gonna stop myself right now. Switching back on topic, let's talk about what I do know and a couple other people that I think are incredibly smart do know about how to spot a cheater. 
one of my favorite books, The Signs of Happily Ever After, talks about this. The author uses the Big Five Personality Assessment as a way to help people spot a cheater. And if you're not familiar, the Big Five Personality Assessment is essentially a catch-all of describing people's personality on five different spectrums. And those spectrums can be done in the acronym OCEAN. So there's people who are open and there are people who are closed. There are people who are conscientious, people who are not conscientious. There are people who are extroverts, those who are introverts. There are people who are very agreeable, those who are disagreeable. And then there are people who are neurotic versus people who are emotionally stable. And Dr. Tai Tashiro says that people who cheat tend to be very high in openness and very low in conscientiousness. And so another way of thinking about openness is novelty seeking. And if you've ever done psychology before, you're familiar with this. But a novelty seeker is a personality trait reflecting excitement in response to novel stimuli, to new things. High novelty seekers is usually a predictor of risky behavior. Someone who's low conscientiousness tends to view rules and regulations as restricting, limiting, and confining. They may not feel responsible for anyone other than themselves. And they tend to prioritize having fun and responding to demands of the moment. Now, at face value, these can seem like negative things, right? Somebody who always needs something new to keep them excited or to keep them engaged and someone who makes up the rules as they go along. But there's arguments for how these can also be strengths, uh, maybe not when combined together, but somebody who breaks the rules is innovative and creates new pathways and is a rebel. And sometimes the rules are kind of fucked up and you need that person. And someone who's a high novelty seeker essentially is the spice of life. They keep things interesting. Now... As I was having this discussion with Jared, my husband, as I often do when I'm talking about the topics that I want to cover on this podcast, he pointed out that you are both a high novelty seeker and somebody who I would consider pretty low conscientious. And I thought to myself, well, damn, that's accurate. I like a lot of new shit and I do make up the rules for life as I go along. And it's been a strength for me. I'm a path paver. I'm a rule breaker. And that has done some wonderful things for me and it has made me do some negative things I'm not proud of. But I don't believe on the list of things that I could potentially do because of this state of being of mine is cheating. And that is because there is something stronger than my personality that impacts and influences the way I behave. And that is my code, a word that I just learned this week from TikToker Teffy. Adam, if I could talk to you for a second. When I was in high school, we used to talk about this thing called code, right? So code is like character morals, values, backbone. So when we would see somebody fuck somebody over, you know, like cheat on their girlfriend or their wife, um, the mother of their children, we would say, wow, that's one codeless bitch. That's a codeless motherfucker. So spoiler alert, Teffy is the guest on this week's episode of Lovers and Friends. And we spoke about code in depth and I've been reflecting on it ever since. And here's what I've come to. Code is your individual control alt delete. It is your force quit, meaning no matter what application you're running, what you're doing, or how far along you are in your process of doing that thing, it's something that just shuts shit down. That spinning wheel comes up and you know that you've got to close, stop, and reassess and start all over again. And that can be a painful thing to do and a frustrating thing to do at time, but you know it's the healthiest thing for your system. It's what makes you run. Code is the rules and principles that give us the best shot at surviving ourselves. We're constantly focusing on how to survive the external elements, but the thing is completely within our control. What we do and what we are willing to not do in order to wake up the next day and be proud of living in our skin, be proud to love ourselves, and furthermore, be the kind of person 
who is capable of being loved by others because you trust that that is a good decision. Code covers all of that, which is why I'm so grateful for Teffy, who is the internet's big sister. She has over 1.6 million TikTok followers, probably has gone up since then. She is popping. She is honest. She is truthful. She's worked with MTV. She's worked within style. And I'm so grateful that she brought her perspective here to Lovers and Friends, a podcast. Teffy is someone who has experienced cheating yeah. Oh, I've never been in a relationship where someone, it hasn't ended because they did. They, I've always been cheated on. So we're going to get really deep into all of it with Teffy right after this word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Fun fact that you might not know about me, I am currently pursuing my master's of science in psychology at the University of Arizona. And the course I'm currently in is professional issues and ethics in psychology. And fun fact, within that fun fact, my final paper is all about new trends in the field. And I chose to write about the power of digitally mediated mental health care because of my positive experience with BetterHelp. And if you don't know, BetterHelp is a service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you communicate with 100% through your phone. I love the service because it is accessible, affordable, convenient, and flexible. You decide if you text, video chat, or phone call with your therapist, and you can end the service or change therapists at no cost at any time. So what I did is I downloaded the app, I did a brief survey, I got matched with the therapist, I ended up changing therapists two times until I found somebody who really jived with me, and then... I was in therapy. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, I want you to consider BetterHelp. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com lovers for 10% off at BetterHelp for your first month. Again, that is betterhelp.com lovers for 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. Hi, Teffy. Hi. I was on your page for way too long this morning, just scrolling through the various, you know, mm -hmm. topics you dive into. And I did not dive into the Adam Levine scenario as mm -hmm. something that I found particularly of interest. And we kind of joked about this where it's like, mm -hmm. ooh, a celebrity's in some Instagram model's DMs. Like that just did not feel like breaking news or a reason mm -hmm. for me to stop breastfeeding and stop my day <laughs> to like investigate further. But I did investigate further because of what you said about code and i was like interesting what did adam levine do that teffy would consider as a breach of code and so mm -hmm. before we get to that i want to just address the concept of code because you really explain it so beautifully what is that code is your character it's my morals it's my values it's how i step forth in the world it's my loyalty and in, in essence it's loyalty right i think sometimes um, I've only been a Latin American woman in the world, so I can only speak to that. But the idea of good girl versus bad girl has really fucked with me in my life. Like a good girl would never do that. So I've had to kind of deconstruct the idea of code as I get older, because sometimes what is code to my mom or even the patriarchy is not what code means to me, you know? Interesting. So... When well, I that's talk kind about of what's code. interesting mm -hmm. about code, sorry to cut you off there, because that's no, where my thought went to in mm -hmm. that self is an ever evolving concept. My definition mm -hmm. of self is I am whoever I consistently choose to be. And so mm -hmm. something that I do today that's out of character does not all of a sudden become a part 
of my makeup of who I am. You know, sometimes when people mm-hmm. are like, well, you did this, this just shows me who you really are. It's like, mm-hmm. no, like who I really am is the person you've met and been experiencing for the past two years. Like this was a day, this was a circumstance, this was mm-hmm. um, like an oddity and for the better or worse, mm-hmm. sometimes there's parts of me that are magnificent that I can't claim as my own. It's like a genius that just swept over me for a day and the next day I don't have those skills. Like I've done the splits once in my life before. I've never done them again. I don't know who that mm-hmm. person is, but like I can't claim that as a consistent part of who I am. When we're thinking about identifying what our our code is for us, is it an aspirational thing that we try to live up to every day? Or it's like a set of laws that we have to abide by or else we don't know who we are anymore? I think like most things, you know, if it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't matter. But if it hurts the people around you, then that's a different conversation. When we think of somebody as codeless, we look at them almost as inhumane, right? Like we're infrahumanizing mm-hmm. them where we're saying like, you're missing a moral code, like you're missing a compass, that Jiminy Cricket inside of you. There's something inside of you, the empathetic part of you is dead a little bit. But is it not instead when somebody breaks code or does something, like Adam Levine, for example, mm-hmm. why don't we lean into empathy first and say like, what is mm-hmm. Adam going through or what has he gone through that would lead him Absolutely. to do something so careless? Because he made his trauma his wife's responsibility. It's the public facing explanation that I never planned that is hard for me to wrap around for a woman to do, especially while she's pregnant. And we don't know if you guys are in an open relationship. We don't know the inner workings of your house. But what I do know is that you put your wife in a position to speak about something she probably never wanted to speak about because she's never like Adam Levine's wife hasn't spoken out. And that says a lot to me, you know, people that can sit with themselves I don't want to speak until I know how I feel. I mean, he posted a story the next day. I was like, you don't even know what you're doing. You're not thinking about the people around you and how you affect them. You are living as a solo jellyfish. Did your career define you and now that's not doing so well? What defines you now? And not only were you um, complimenting these women's bodies and flirting with them, but you spoke about some, um, the sanctity of our marriage, that you were so unhappy. She, he said, um, what is it? I have two kids. It sucks now. I want out. And you're sharing that with strangers. So to me, there's different levels. So like when people say they had an open relationship or maybe they had an understanding, I completely understand that. Like, I don't care if you have one boyfriend, six boyfriends and seven girlfriends. I don't care if you're open, close. If you are happy and you feel at peace, peace is the most expensive thing in the world. I, God bless you. But I think when it comes to these situations, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you hear about these successful open relationships, polyamorous relationships, the bottom line is trust and communication. And when I read those messages that they posted, they screenshotted for the world to see, Code can't live there. Code cannot breathe that air. There's no way even animals protect their people. So can we define Code as the ethics that govern the way that you treat yourself and other people you love? I think it's choose what loyalty means to you but don't make the people you love pay for it. I think when we've been in situations where we've been betrayed, I've told people in those situations, not only have you made me paranoid of my own community of women, 
you know, you've also made me question my intuition. I look, I've never met a woman I didn't want to be friends with. And you've taken that from me. How? It's hard. It's hard. When you've been cheated on, you look at a woman and you meet her and you think, would he like her? And to even admit that to yourself is like you're betraying this person who's coming to meet you with their best intention. And you have made it impossible for me to show up with mine. What an incredibly self-aware way of putting that. And I hope the person whose ears that landed on really took that in as like, that is a seriously deviant thing to do to somebody. I think only people who have experienced safety would understand what that meant. And I don't think a lot of people have, you know, and I think knowing safety is a privilege of mine. What you're not going to do is when I offer you safety and a foundation and security is uh, turn it against me. You know, it's take that away from me because that's your lifestyle. I think that's something in relationships that I fear about, like I think about often the way you absorb the world, although it doesn't have to be the same as me, you should still be trying to make sure that I feel safe in it too. I, this year mm-hmm. kind of came to the realization that there genuinely just are some shitty people out there. So to me, there's a very big difference between a Teffy who has code, who sometimes the there's miscommunication or the way that you go about something um, may not be the right way, but the intention was always in the right spot. And people mm-hmm. who just don't even have that at all. Like they are actually legitimately moralist yeah. individuals. So do how do we pick those two things apart? I think we've all had relationships that end platonic, professional and romantic where you leave and you know that the way that they think of you is not the real you because of a mistake that you made. Mm-hmm. That's not my yes. true self. The idea of them talking about you f- infuriates you because you know that's not you. You made a mistake, you know? And I think code is doing everything to avoid that, even though sometimes it's unavoidable and that's how we learn. I tell people online all the time because sometimes I see like people. Like, you're the internet's big sister, no, 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 no. And I worry, like, don't, I'm not Barney. I have fucked up. I have hurt my friends. I have betrayed people. I have broken my mom's heart. And I have, I have been cheated on and I have cheated, you know? So for, when I talk about cheating, when I talk about the betrayal, I'm talking about it from a 360. I'm talking about it from a place of, I don't want you to do this because it was horrible. It was horrible for me. It was horrible to look at somebody and know that if they knew all of my truth that I so proudly talk about all the time, that it's a new part of all my truth, that it would hurt them. Popping up to say congratulations. You have made it to the halfway mark of this episode, and there's still so much to look forward to, including this bomb from Teffy. And I think sometimes people know that the only way that they exist is if they hurt people. And later, my favorite psychologist drops by to gift us with this. Like, if you're doing that, there's serious damage in the relationship. If you go there, where there's just no trust. That is all still to come in this very episode. And we're going to get to And I think sometimes people know that the only way that they exist is if they hurt people. And I think knowing that you exist is better than not existing at all. Truly.
That's a really beautifully, that that's a beautifully profound way of answering that question. Because I, I want to ask, because mm -hmm. the point that you made about, you know, you've cheated before mm -hmm. and I've cheated before as well. And mm -hmm. in the times that I've done that to the point of being seen, I cheated because I wanted to be seen by my partner. What did those experiences tell you about yourself and how did that inform your code going forward? I remember uh, when I cheated on this person, it was in a nightclub and I was drunk and I made out with this guy and I had a boyfriend of um, almost a decade at that point and he treated me horribly. I make the joke, he was cheating on me like he was paid to do it. You, you would think he was cutting a check and with people that I knew and um, really committed to the idea that I, that he was doing me a favor by doing with me, by being with me, you know, that I was so unmanageable, that I was so horrible, you know? And I remember when that happened, I felt terrible only, not only because, um, that's not something in my, within my character, but also, um, I didn't, I had been preaching for so long about why cheating was so horrible as someone who was being cheated on. And I felt like I had just become like a hypocrite but also I knew that the person that I was with had very low self-esteem. It wasn't a, a mystery and I wanted to be honest, but I didn't know if the catharsis was worth it. If that was more helping me than it was going to help him. And if it even fucking mattered in that relationship. Right. Um, and my mom looked at me and I was bawling to her and she said, bad people don't feel bad. So that's what I take away from it. You know, I think knowing what you don't like is just as important as knowing what you do like and knowing what you're not like is still knowing is still getting to know yourself. I think people think like, well, I like movies. Why well, like this? I'm like, what don't you like, though? Because where would you draw the line? If how would you know that somebody is crossing a boundary? What don't you want? I love that you know what you like. But like, how do you know when you're betraying yourself? What does that feel like physically? To clarify, in that relationship where you cheated on your partner and you broke your code, was that the relationship where that person was cheating on you, quote unquote, as if they were being paid to do it? Yeah. Oh, I've never been in a relationship where someone, it hasn't ended because they did, they did not, they, it, I've always been cheated on. I'm sorry to hear that. You know? I asked that question about if it was that repetitive cheater because mm -hmm. it feels like you asked yourself the question, why shouldn't I? And then you got the answer back because it makes me feel disgusted with myself. Yeah. When it comes to revenge, I really, I really wanted to be that girl. You know, I really wanted to be that seductress. I really wanted to be that vixen, that heartless person almost like an Angelina Jolie spy movie but I'm not like working for the government I'm working for my own vices you know and um it felt like putting on pants that were too small it didn't fit me I had outgrown that before I even tried it that's why I listen to you talk and wondering if code is even more simplified to just the choices you make in the world and how that makes you feel about yourself 
that yeah. it's less even about the way that you want to love others or the mm-hmm. empathy you have for others. Because there's a very big difference between if we use the example as cheating, which is what we're you know really pressing on here. Mm-hmm. I cheated mm-hmm. on you and I feel so bad because I hurt you. I feel so awful because I embarrassed you. Right. I jeopardized our relationship versus when you did it, where it was like, I feel bad about me. I had every mm-hmm. great excuse in the world. You're not somebody mm-hmm. who, maybe you did you know feel bad for your partner's sake because he had low self-esteem but in general it's like this isn't a person that you would necessarily feel as prioritized to protect because they had done everything in their power to harm you um, with their actions but it wasn't really even about them it was about the relationship that you have with yourself the way that you see yourself and how you want to see that self show up in the world and Mm -hmm. maybe that's a huge differentiation right when we're trying to think about when someone has done something codeless that we deem as codeless, that's just like, man, that is a low moral activity, a low vibration action. Do you feel bad because you were caught? Do you feel bad because you were judged? Or do you feel bad because this is not the version of you that you want out there in the world? Yeah. I I was talking to this like spiritual advisor type person at an event and um, we were talking about ego this person told me to eliminate your ego is so dangerous. You should never, you should always keep it in check, but to eliminate ego is crazy. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, that's self-protection. The way that you want people to remember you is a little egotistical. That's important Mm -hmm. to rid yourself of that is crazy to rid yourself of confidence is crazy because if you rid yourself of ego, you let people tell you who you are. You spoke about how other people's, breaches of code or lack of code, cheating being a thing that has happened for you in every relationship that you've ever been in and how that has taken something away from you in your love for women, your instant connection, your instant sense Mm -hmm. of sisterhood with women. And there was a time where someone took that from you. And I would imagine it in many ways has challenged your ability to be trusting with new partners. How do we stop Mm -hmm. someone else's lack of code from completely rewriting our own. I guess I'll close it out with this because this changed my life. I was doing a YouTube meditation one day and I love meditation, but this one was about resentment and I'd seen it on my feet and I'd been avoiding it for a long time. And I don't know why. I couldn't say why, but I was avoiding it. And I thought maybe, you know, I'm too overly stimulated. It's like when you can't do an emotional movie, you're like, I don't have the, the scope for it right now. I thought it was like that. And I finally did it one day and they take you through different levels of like safe places. And then you go to like your childhood bedroom and it doesn't have to be identical. You can decorate it however you want, but it would, it's somewhere your inner child would love to be right. Like a Amanda Bynes, the Amanda Bynes show bedroom, Lizzie McGuire's bedroom, whatever, but it's somewhere that she could thrive. And there's a teddy bear on a table and you pick it up and that teddy bear represents all the ways that people have hurt you, disappointed you, betrayed you. And you have to pick it up and say, thank you. Thank you so much, you know? And you have to put it back down. And then the meditation told me to walk back out. And they said, if you are unable to walk out with the teddy bear on the table and instead it's stuck to you, you've made resentment part of your personality. And that fucked me up. It took me a year and a half to leave that teddy bear on the table. 
I feel like I couldn't grow unless I admitted it hurt me. Yes, Teffy, I have liked, I have subscribed, I have turned on notifications. I am tuned in, and if you feel the exact same way, lucky for us, every single day, Teffy is dropping truth bombs just like that, heart chakra, throat chakra bombs just like that, on her Instagram and TikTok, where you can find her at Hello Teffy. I will put those links in the show notes for your convenience. So the rest of the episode is equally as powerful. And before we get into it, a little lovers and friends trivia time. What guest is this and what episode has he already been on? I think a person who's like filled to their eyeballs with demons is probably not a good person. Like, you know, I mean, we can debate for much longer than this scope about what makes someone bad, right? Yes, yeah, guess right. That was the gaslighting episode, and the guest that just spoke is Dr. Barry Goldstein, who is a clinical psychologist, a public speaker, a production consultant, executive coach, and a published board game designer. He is back once again to give us a leg up on people who just can't keep their legs closed. Was that a cringy introduction? Absolutely. But it was just right there for me, like a layup. I had to hit it. And um, I promise Dr. Barry is definitely cooler and smarter. So let's get into it. Whoop, whoop. Can we talk about cheating? Uh, well, yes. Do you want to know something? I was going to do another podcast, but I feel like I'm, I would be cheating on you. You can do no, other podcasts. This is an open relationship. <laughs> this is, this is open... consensual non-monogamy where non-monogamy you are allowed to be. A... I actually would be very happy to do other podcasts. That's the, that's and I think you are so great sweet. at what you do. And I love talking to you that I would be overjoyed if other people were like, I'm going to steal him for myself. Oh, I think that's super sweet. Good. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I really believe that Jared is so good at oral sex. That other people should experience it. Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much Let's joy. Let's unpack that. There's so much, <laughs> only so much joy in the world. And anytime you can bring more into it, I'm for that. As long as everybody's... On page. And that's what I want to talk to you about. That's what we're talking about. That's what, a, what we're talking what about. What a segue. Um, how do you spot a cheater? The only rule of thumb that I would have is cheaters going to cheat. <laughs> right? Once a cheater, always a cheater. I think that's true unless it's they not, change. Unless yes. they change. So, But if they are that person. So if I were going into a relationship and I knew that that person cheated. Because that kind of comes up in the honeymoon phase of most new relationships. right? You talk about how you effed up all your other people right or how much baggage you have the baggage unloading phase i think you say like oh yeah i've been cheated on or the person's like oh yeah i've i that relationship ended with drama and you know it's their drama right the only way that you could permit yourself into a relationship with that person is if they've done the work right so if they if they if they tell you that they've cheated and then they've done the work of learning why that happened and correcting their communication issues and all that because you can meet somebody who has done that in the past and they've gotten through it right i don't think that once a cheater always a cheater but once a cheater suspect they're a cheater unless they've done the work but what i'd rather hit is more about the why people cheat because i think that's the more i think that's the meatier question right because if you know why a person might cheat that's going to be open that's going to open up the window in your mind to say wait a minute is this person the kind of person who might cheat so that's how i think about it i think that there are 
in general, three reasons why a cheater cheats, right? There's one, one reason is that they are, um, that they are, well, one reason would be that they're cruel, right? That they really enjoy the thrill of cheating. And really what they, they don't want monogamy at all, genuinely, right? They may, they may talk a good, uh, they may monologue monogamy, but they don't uh, live it. It's not their creed. It's not their code of honor. So there are people who just cheat for the sake of cheating. But there are people who don't want monogamy, but don't want to be cheaters either, Correct. but don't believe that there's any other way of being. That's right. There are people for whom... But you're saying there's people who don't want monogamy, but pretend to be under the guise of monogamy, yeah. really for like nefarious reasons. I think it's... And I think... You know, we've talked about narcissism in the past, and I think it comes, it's in that vein. And, but then we have revenge uh, uh, cheating, and then you've got this need, a uh, needs being unfulfilled. And that's the major section of like, if you're gonna get cheated on in the way that your listeners are listened to, like, what? You know, like, how did that happen kind of cheating? It's this uh, mismatch of, of, um, of intimacy that occurs. And this, I think, is where people, if they want to feel more uh, strong in their relationship and feel more powerful as a lover in a relationship, this is the channel that you need to tune in on. Not the private investigator who's going to take pictures and listen in on the, you know, or like it's all an app where you can like follow the person. Like if you're doing that, there's serious damage in the relationship. If you go there where there's just no trust. But the better energy expenditure, this is the meat of what I really feel like saying, is the better energy expenditure is keeping your radar active and honed in the relationship. If your partner does not feel the same connection, you, you, the relationship is in jeopardy. Now, how that person manages that anxiety of being misplaced or being not getting what they need, that's on them. And it's very hard to predict. Do they say, let's try some marriage counseling? Or do they read one of your spicy blog posts and it gives them some ideas? Or it gives you permission, right? If, if you are a cheater, you put yourself in a place where the resentment starts to grow. It starts about the toothpaste. And then she's talking about your mom and that she didn't raise you right. And now you're mad. So they end up making like these very fucked up irrational emotionally constructed choices like this is okay it's okay if i text this person and my partner doesn't know it they archive it or they hide it and then you got that little secret that pocket universe that opens up and that lets you open it and open it and open it and the longer you get away with it the more emboldened you are to act out your impulse which is to accept the awe that loving awe from this new partner and re and sort of reject the intimacy that belonged to that relationship, but uh, I say if you're if you if you already sense trouble, you're correct in that you just got you got to love the person more, and that will let you know whether or not uh, the love is there to 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 uh, to fan to to infl to make bigger. Do you see how this could be controversial though? That advice. Oh, tell me, tell me how. Well, because if, if I'm in a relationship with somebody who I feel is not as invested as me, and I suspect might be investing in other people yeah. because they feel a lapse in our connection, like that's their way of coping. Yes. 
I'm supposed to do more and give more to that motherfucker? Well, you, you start by having to inspect your own capacity for loving that motherfucker. It's, it's, it's almost a thought experiment. Like, can I love this person in a way that I will feel safe? And if the answer is no, the, that's the answer to the whole story. And if the answer is yes, then you, love is so precious. you got to try everything you can and work as hard as you can because it's better for you. If you leave a relationship having loved deeply and not been reciprocated, you've at the very least felt love. You know, better to love to love and to have lost than never to have loved at all. I believe that. Because I've, I've had loves where I've been cheated on, and I don't regret... Do I, I was going to say I don't regret them. I guess I kind of wish I knew earlier truths that I could have seen, but I can't judge it because it's brought me to where I am you know I'm in LA we're we're friends you know like that if I hadn't had if I hadn't been cheated on we would not know each other Gar that's it period I wouldn't have met my wife I wouldn't have had my children I wouldn't have the community I wouldn't have the the work the it, so it's all like I don't I'm not grateful either it's just <laughs> it's just the path and I'm not I can't beat myself up about it so I think I think loving hard gives you the pride that overcomes the shame of the fear of being cheated on. Because you could say, I loved my best. And this person didn't or couldn't or their childhood trauma kept them from loving, whatever the fuck that person's problem is. I did my love. I loved my love. And then that will take you to someone who deserves it. And so if you were to talk to someone's fear of being cheated on, what would you say to that fear? So the person who lives in chronic fear of being cheated is usually someone who's been hurt. And the only way I know how to heal hurt is to tell the story of it. And then when you tell the story of it, to realize that your present self is not in that trauma any longer. Because the human mind does. Is when it is hurt, it then carries that hurt forward, anticipating it again to try to react to it. I think that advice of being in the present is really fresh and I hope very hopeful to people. Yeah. Because it is, one, the most joyful space to be, as we talked about off camera before. And it, to me, is like the recipe for happiness. Yeah. It's not a recipe that you can just throw together like craft dinner. It's a very difficult recipe. It's tricky. It's a very tricky recipe. But being able to be actually present and aware of what's happening and responding to what is happening in the moment and how you feel in the moment. Yeah. That one allows you to be checking in on your relationship and yes. striving to maintain balance constantly. Correct. And it also, too, disallows you from weaving in other stories, whether they be fictional in the future or That's past right. stories narratives. into what's happening right now. Yeah, false narratives. Yeah, 100%. And that storytelling part of a relationship is a big part of infidelity, too, right? person starts to tell the story where they're not loved enough. You know, but if you're telling the story of me trying to be the best lover for that person that I love, that's present. And, you know, we've done a shitty job in American mental health because we told everyone to be in the moment and we told everyone that they should be mindful, but we never told, we don't tell them why. And in this case, mindfulness and in the momentness um, then gives you the platform to reach out and love. And the in-the-moment thing also conflicts with the idea that we have that people who cheat are people who live in the moment, right? Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Presentism doesn't say take the lowest-hanging fruit. 
It doesn't say that at all. It says in that moment, consider all your, but not not live in the future or the past. But that doesn't mean that you can't consider it. It's part of your code that's going to dictate your behavior. Dr. Barry, shout out to you. I adore you so much. You can find Dr. Barry's work at realityshrink.net. He is in the process of putting his work out there in a more accessible way, you know, like YouTube and Instagram, like all those things that the kids are doing today. And um, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I might have some other cool links that I'll put in the show notes so you can continue to engage with his work or I'll just keep asking him to come on the podcast, which is also a very viable option. Um, thank you so much to you. Also, once again, thank you to Teffy, who we should all be following at Hello Teffy to keep up with her great news, great work and great words. And that brings us to the end of the episode. Now, traditionally, the end of the episode is a time where I just ramble and then I pressure you to go rate and review the podcast, which I want to do those two things. But I also want to say that next week we're going to try a mailbag segment here where we're going to answer two to three questions or share two to three comments that I'm going to respond to about the previous episode. So starting next week, we're going to be talking about this episode. So if you felt aroused, if you felt inspired, if you felt unclear about anything we talked about today, consider sending a voice note to loversfriendspodcast at gmail.com and share. And at the end of next week's episode, I might be talking to you directly, not like directly, directly, but more directly than right now. I might be responding to you, which feels great because I love being in dialogue with you. I love you all so much. I just got to say that, you know, my podcast community is my absolute favorite, and I just want to say shout out to you, and I hope you have an incredible week, and I cannot wait, and I really hope you understand how much I mean this. I cannot wait to connect with you next week. Also, please go and review and rate this podcast. Goodbye. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. I'm going to hold you down, down to the end, I said. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Shan Boudram. It is produced by Boudram and Crazia Cruz with production support from 2S Entertainment's Adam Krasner, Isabel Gallant, and Brianna Barone. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and engineering on our episodes. Lovers and Friends is powered by Audioboom and made possible by our incredible sponsors who you can show love to by reading our show notes.